Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partners of Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on Twitter. Trevor is at the BleacherCon1, and I am at the BleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to do our weekly That's Offside segment, where we take a look at a controversial sports topic th- from the world of sports in the last week, and Ken and I discuss it. Uh, Our next topic, we're going to look at some uh, relocation expansion talk coming out of Major League Baseball and the NBA this week. And is that the ticket to raising the revenues that we may have had a shortfall on? We're a couple weeks into the NHL season now, and Ken and I want to have a quick discussion on uh, specifically how our team, the Calgary Flames of Vancouver Canucks, are doing and some other surprises from around the league. And new this week, Ken and I are going to introduce a new segment to the show titled, Are You Kidding Me? where we take a look at a few of the stories from around the world of sports and give our take on whether we think it's a positive or a negative. So we're, we're excited about this new segment on our show and we're really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. But uh, first thing we just going to, before we get going into any of that, uh, unfortunately this week, major league baseball lost an icon in Hank Aaron, uh, Hank Aaron for myself and probably a lot of others out there. When you think of Hank Aaron, you think of him as the true home run king. Yes, Barry Bonds has more, but we all know how he got assistance in that. But Hank Aaron is just an icon in the game. Uh, one of the greats, and he will be definitely missed. I, I hope baseball does something for him this year in honoring him, not just at the beginning of the season, but throughout the entire season. Yeah, Hank Aaron, whenever anybody says 715, everybody knows exactly what they're talking about. And that's hammering Hank Aaron. And it's an absolute loss to the world of sports. You, like Ken just said, the guy's an icon. And everybody knows who Hank Aaron is and what he did for the game. It's, it's a sad day for Major League Baseball. And like you said, I do hope that they do something to commemorate him very in the very near future. It's everybody knows Hank Aaron. And you saw it on Twitter with all the players reaching out and, and voicing their opinions. He, he was a true icon and will will be missed. Yeah, I think I, I may butcher this stat, and I apologize. I believe I read it. He had a couple big seasons with the home runs, but he averaged 40 home runs a year, I think it was, or close to. And if that's your average, like that is, that's impressive. Again, just one of the icons in the game and will deserve every every tribute he, he gets this year coming up. Uh, also, this week, January 26th, will also be the one-year anniversary of the NBA family losing Kobe Bryant and everyone else that was in that helicopter uh, on January 26th. So uh, you still see the impact of that today, the loss of Kobe and everyone that was there. Uh, so I think we'll probably be seeing some NBA tributes again coming up here shortly on on Tuesday the 26th. Yeah, Kobe Bryant, much like Hank Aaron, an absolute icon in the sport, gone way too soon, absolute tragic circumstances. And again, it's going to be a somber anniversary, but also a time to reflect on one of, if not the greatest player in NBA history. Absolutely. So Ken, this week on the Bleacher Connection, we uh, we hit a couple of milestones that I want you to tell our viewers about, or sorry, our listeners about. 
Yeah, so uh, this past week in our, I guess, uh, call it second season on the Unhinged Sports Network, uh, where we we have a competition between all the podcasts to see who who's got the most listens. We are we are right there near the top, and we want to thank everyone for for tuning in and listening. Since December twentieth, when it started, we've now hit just over two hundred listens, which is awesome. We really appreciate it. We also for Bleacher Connection alone with the Unhinged Sports Network and on-demand platforms, we are just shy of a thousand listens overall. And that really, for us, we I, I think I, Trevor might probably agree on this. We think it's awesome because really, we have been doing this since the end of September of 2020. We haven't been doing this for very long. So getting to that, almost hitting a thousand listens just on the Bleacher Connection is awesome. With uh, two for chirping, we're actually over a thousand listens. We're almost at a hundred listens for, for two for chirping. So we're really enjoying this. We really appreciate everyone tuning in and thank you. Yeah. If you would have told me back when we did our first few episodes, I believe it was in May that uh, a thousand people would, would sit down and listen to this. I would have thought that these people were nuts and that, and that you were nuts, Ken, but we've stuck with it. It's actually been an absolute blast and, and I'm actually kind of proud of it. I never imagined that we would get there. And, and I actually hope the next thousand listens happens a lot quicker. It's, you know, things are really exciting and happening on the show. And, you know, the Unhinged Sports Network is picking up steam and doing a lot of great things and are on demand, especially with Two for Chirping included in that has really picked up steam and, and lots of listens. So out in the world of the internet, Ken and I, we're out there at the BleacherCon 1 and at the BleacherCon 2 or we have a nice little following and it's actually super exciting and I, I'm very proud of us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely loving it. Like we're recording here and I'm drinking coffee out of my bleacher connection mug with my bleacher connection sign on the wall behind. And Trevor's got the same. It was for my birthday, but Trevor, Trevor cashed in too. So if we, we got some nice bleacher connection swag that uh, we're going to have kicking around our places and maybe one day we'll, we'll have uh, available for listeners. So thank, thank you. Second mom. Yeah. <laughs> And well, and, and my brother and Melissa and yeah, <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> well, right. Ken, I'm also sitting here in my Bleacher Connection gold chains and gold studded teeth that Ken hasn't gone quite that far yet, but he, he's opted only for a coffee mug and a banner, but I've taken it up a notch and, and I've got the gold chains on. Hey, hey, I've got the back tattoo scheduled for whenever the uh, coronavirus opens up the tattoo shop, so. <laughs> well, I'm not quite that hardcore, so. I don't know that I'll be getting any tattoos of the bleacher connection on my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's if we can hit maybe 10,000 listens in a month, then we'll talk, yeah. about, you know, 10,000 in a month. We'll discuss whether there's a tattoo or not for that. But uh, yeah, it's been a blast doing this and it's been with everything going on. It's a way for, you know, you and I, Trevor to kind of sit down and, and hang out in ways that, you know, is it different than before. So it's been a lot of fun and going to keep, doing what we can to bring you guys the best content uh, we can. So, yeah, I hope the next set of milestones are within weeks and not months. It's super exciting. Things are taking off. And, and like you just said, again, it's a chance for me to hang out with my best bud in uh, some trying circumstances. And uh, obviously people like to like to listen to what we say. So that that's, that's also kind of rewarding in itself. Yeah, Absolutely. So moving on, we're going to get into That Soft Side, brought to you by our partners at Lids Canada. With the NHL, NBA, and NFL all in full swing, now is a great time to shop for some new apparel for your favorite teams. Click on the link in our Twitter link tree bio for your chance at some huge savings. Ken, what caught your eye this week in the world of sports? So there was a, a blockbuster trade in the NHL this week that only happened because all three of the players involved in the trade wanted out of their team. So that was uh, Patrick Laine in Winnipeg, Jack Roslovic also in Winnipeg, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Columbus. Now, essentially, the team swapped those three players with uh, Laine and Roslovic heading to Columbus, Pierre-Luc Dubois in the third going to Winnipeg. The reason this falls in that's offside is because of how, I would almost say more Pierre-Luc Dubois handled the situation. Uh, of wanting out and as a restricted free agent, he has no real freedom or choice to choose whether he wants to stay in Columbus or not. He either signs a contract or he doesn't play. 
And he chose to sign a two-year, $10 million contract with Columbus in the offseason to play with the team, even though he wanted out. But the way he went about it, the other night, what was his ice time, Trevor? Under four minutes, and he didn't he didn't play the final 44 minutes. He sat, he was benched in the second and third period completely. And apparently his teammates, now these are rumors that you hear online, that Tortorella had all of his pictures and stuff in the arena taken down or wanted it taken down because his teammates were very upset with his actions. He didn't seem to really care in that last game there, Trevor. And to me, that's offside. There's video of his final shift with the Columbus Blue Jackets where he pretty much skates mildly around the ice, uh, somewhat attempts to back check on a rush by the opposing team. He somewhat attempts to forecheck on a puck that was dumped into his corner where he more or less lollygags into the corner, puts a half-ass effort into doing a stick check, and the guys go the other way. And he kind of did a couple of circles in the neutral zone at about quarter speed and went off the ice. That will be the everlasting impression of Pierre-Luc Dubois in a Columbus Blue Jackets uniform, where essentially he became a crybaby and wanted out. And to him, he wanted to be in the spotlight more. He was tired of being in lowly old Columbus where nobody saw him. Well, guess what, buddy? You just ended up in Winnipeg, which is, I don't know, the same as Columbus. It's a city that doesn't have a lot of attention on it. And you're not going to be in the spotlight. You may get a chance to play with some better players, but I don't know. I know your dad is in the Winnipeg Jets organization, and I guess that might be a benefit, but to me, this is a crybaby wanting out of a scenario. And you know what? I'm glad he got traded to Winnipeg and more or less just got put right back in the same scenario. So too bad, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And you know what? Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic are no better. They've both been whining to one out of Winnipeg for essentially similar reasons where they didn't believe they were the marquee players. They weren't getting an opportunity and they didn't believe that they were in the limelight. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to Columbus. So enjoy that, guys. It's kind of like three three crybabies being traded for each other and none of them winning. So, yeah, joke's on you. Yeah, the the one part, like Line has been wanting out of Winnipeg for quite some time. Now, was it a year and a half? Goes back to last year, even the season before. There's always been rumblings of Line wanting out. Line didn't have the best of seasons last year. But where I will give him more credit than Pierre-Luc Dubois, he went into this season, and even to, to Ma, uh, Paul Maurice, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, saying he had probably his best camp in a long time, and you could see him on the ice. He, he ended up did getting hurt and missing out some time, but he wasn't dogging it. He wasn't you know, taking the easy way out of just coasting and saying, I'm going to play so bad, you're going to have to move me. I will give him a little more credit in for that sense as going out there and being, I want out, but I'm still going to be a team guy where Pierre-Luc Dubois was a, I want out and I'm going to be a me guy. Jack Roslovic, I almost have a little more respect for him because he chose to not sign. So by not signing, he's not there every day being asked questions, being not that he isn't a distraction because they're probably being asked about him, but he's not there being questioned on his effort night in night out if he has a bad game he chose i don't want to be here i'm not going to sign a contract i'm not going to take your money and i i will say maybe the better way to do it was just not sign a contract and wait until he got traded yeah i, I can't argue that point too much at the end of the day jack roslovic was still being a whiny baby because he wasn't going to get to play top six minutes well oh, absolutely guess what you're not good enough on that team to play top six minutes. The Winnipeg Jets are stacked in their top six forwards. At the time, they had Patrick Liney, Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, uh, Nick Ehlers, uh, uh, Connor, like Kyle Connor. Who are you going to take out of that? Nobody. So who are you to sit there and say, I'm a top six forward? No, you're not. Not on that team, you're not. So sure, you didn't sign a contract, but... He was sitting out because he didn't feel like he was being given a fair shake. And I have an issue with that. Yeah. It, it, it takes me back to when Cody Hodgson was a Canuck and in the days where he would have had to 
outplay Ryan Kessler and Henrik Sedin at center to get top six minutes. The team tried to put him at wing and he either felt he didn't, didn't deserve to be put on wing. And like, you're talking about trying to, and this is when the Canucks were winning the president's trophy heading to the cup. They were a good team at that time. You were not going to remove one of those two from top six center minutes unless you outplayed them. And he was not, and he was not doing it. And apparently the rumors were he was a cancer in the room. If you want to be a top six player, show it with your play, make them make the hard choice of whether they have to move someone else to give you that opportunity, or you show you're a top six player, but you can't fit in the lineup. So they move you to, to, to a team where you can not because you whine, but because you earned it and they, you, you just can't move ahead of who's there. Yeah. This I'm getting really tired of the, the players demanding trades and, and being crybabies about it. it. It really brings me back to James Harden with the Houston Rockets who finally got his wish in the last week or so of, of getting moved out of Houston. He essentially whined his way off of that team. And I, I understand he gave up huge money in the process, but let's not kid ourselves. He's still going to get signed to an extension and make huge money. I'm tired of it. Like you're signed in most instances to play for the team. That's your employer. So you owe them your best effort when you're signed to play for that team. And I'm tired of this. Oh, I want out. I want out. You know, I'll give Patrick line a a little bit of credit because he was at least playing with, uh, with um, effort and in his last game as a Winnipeg Jet, he had two goals and assists, including an overtime winner against the Calgary Flames in the first game of the season. At least he was putting forth an effort. But at the end of the day, he was still being a baby and wanted out. And I am so sick and tired of this. And in my opinion, it's it's offside by every player that ever does it. And I'm, I'm done with it. Yeah, it's uh, whether it goes into the next negotiations of restructuring the the RFA situation but i mean i I can tell you as as a kid growing up playing sports and having those dreams of maybe one day being a pro uh, i can tell you i would have just been happy with getting drafted and picked by a team who cares who it is right it you have guys now you go back to steve francis in the nba when the the grizzlies took him second overall and he he looked like he had just you know someone kicked his puppy or something you get you're getting you're being given an opportunity that 99.99999 percent of the world would kill for if you're an athlete if you you know not every person wants to be a pro athlete but if you're an athlete that 99.99999 wants to be you because they just want to live that moment for a day well let us know do you guys agree with us on uh the crybaby players demanding trades we're tired of it are you guys Reach out to us at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2 on Twitter, on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection. We'd love to hear from you guys. You know, Jackets, Blue Jackets fans, Jets fans, what do you think? Are you excited about this trade? We want to know. So, yeah, we want to hear from you, but I, I think someone may have heard us, Trevor, last week. We uh, we had a conversation about uh, a certain team we cheer for, the, the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, not too – too long after our episode went out, something happened. Yeah, it's clear uh, that either Ross Atkins or George Shapiro turned, tuned into uh, last week's episode because shortly after we roasted them over not opening up the pocketbooks and we're sick and tired of missing out on all the top name free agents. Well, guess what? They signed the top free agent in this offseason, in this MLB uh, offseason, in George Springer. Uh, they signed to a six-year, $150 million contract. Kudos to Rogers. It's about time you guys close the deal. Uh, this is two off-seasons in a row where you've managed to lure a big fish to Toronto. I hope we get another one. The Blue Jays by no means are done. I know there was uh, some, some signings that were also close that we're going to discuss uh, in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, kudos to, to Rogers and, and uh, Shapiro and Atkins for getting this deal done. I'm excited to see George Springer in a Blue Jays uniform. Yeah, I mean, I, I even brought out the Blue Jays hoodie for today just uh, kind of for that reason. It, it's a good start. We, we can't uh, overlook the fact that there's still a lot of holes on this team that need to be filled, especially in the rotation. So 
you know, instead of giving a guy a $300 million contract, maybe it's 150 for, for Springer and 150 for Bauer or more. We'll see. It's a good start. It's nice to see a, a big name. I got a question for you though, Trevor. Yeah. Comes with that baggage of the Houston uh, scandal. Are you, uh, are you giving him a pass now? Or are we still, I, I find like, I'm glad they brought him in, but it's still, to me, it still stings a little bit what happened in that season there. Yeah, I I don't like the the history there for sure. It's he's always going to be known as a cheater, and everyone on that team's always going to be known as a cheater. That's how they won a championship, and absolutely the guy comes with baggage. I'm going to give him a slight pass on the fact that since the scandal is broken, his numbers haven't declined nearly as much as any of the other members of the Houston Astros, and he's. He's managed to maintain some of his uh, his stats from the the cheating era. So a slight pass that he's kind of moved past it, but he's always going to have that baggage. And I guess unless he can win a championship in Toronto, you know, please, please do. Where pretty he please. hasn't cheated. Yeah, pretty please. Where he hasn't cheated. He, he's going to have to do that to uh, to kind of bury it, in my opinion. If he came out first press conference, which I believe is the 26th, and addresses it to the media and the fans, would that end it? No. I think he has to own it, unlike a lot of the Houston Astros. They didn't own it when it originally happened. Would it be a big step? Absolutely. But it's not going to bury it. it. He'll always have that. And until he wins another championship, I think that's the only way that he'll ever be able to bury it is by proving he can win a championship without cheating. It's definitely tough. You're excited for it, but at the same time, you're like, ah, there's still that stink of the scandal. Because we're not that far removed from it, really. No, only a couple of years. So all the talk on George Springer and his signing in Toronto is going to lead us right into our new segment called Are You Kidding Me? And the first topic to come up in this segment leads to, or it comes from a, another Jay signing that supposedly happened this week and didn't. And I'm going to lead it off right, right away and go, Hazel May of Sportsnet, are you kidding me? You're the one who reported that Michael Brantley had signed a three-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays uh, to join his best buddy, George Springer. And so did other big name baseball reporters, Ken Rosenthal and such. They all had this and it fell apart. So what went wrong, Hazel? It, it didn't just fall apart like two, three days later. Like it was within an, a few hours that it fell apart. You know, like here we are all excited about it going yeah, great. We got our outfield stacked now. We can take one of our guys that's already there, potentially move them for a starter. You know, you're, you're looking at all the options. You're getting excited. You know, we were getting messages from others on the network saying, you know, take care of our guys. Houston fans, uh, you know, wanted Brantley to be taken care of all that. And then it's the two-year deal back in Houston. They're like, all right, then that's uh, we'll start over again. What Buster Olney reported on Twitter that it wasn't even close. He said, yeah, they talked, but the deal wasn't even close to happening. So I, that, that's just, I don't, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm honestly speechless. That can't happen in, in today's world. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is with so much social media and honestly people using fake accounts. I'm not surprised that sometimes we get these hot rumors coming out that are just complete completely fabricated and BS because people I could go on Twitter right now and say that, you know, we've had 2 million listens in the last three days and someone out there is going to be like, Oh wow. Really? And when it happens in real time, it's uh, you're trying to be the first in the, in that, you know, as a reporter so that you can get out there and get that recognition. So I can understand how it happens. It got a lot of people's hopes up, but mine included. Quick, yeah. <laughs> mine as well. They, they were quickly, uh, quickly dashed. Another thing that came out on Twitter this week, and this was actually by the player releasing it, Deshaun Watson openly says he wants to play for the New York Jets. Are you kidding me? Really? You want to play for the New York Jets? I thought everybody didn't want to play for them. Kudos, I guess, for wanting to go there, but 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe Deshaun Watson seeing something that not a lot of other people are. Let's let's be honest. The New York Jets lost at losing this past season. They were on the uh, expressway to the first overall pick, which is looking like it's going to be Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. And they won a game. All they had to do was keep status quo and go 0-16, and that was a lock for them. Now Jacksonville is looking at the number – has the number one pick and looking at potentially taking Trevor Lawrence. That whole New York Jets organization needs an overhaul. And maybe – you know, I would say almost kudos to Deshaun Watson for looking at that as a challenge and being the guy that can turn it around. Maybe he knows something about their receiving core that, uh, that he can work with. But I was surprised. I thought maybe he was taking up hockey and wanted to go to Winnipeg when when you said he wanted to go to the Jets. I, I didn't think it was the New York Jets. <laughs> well, he must be looking uh, deep into the annals of the New York Jets receiving core if he sees something there. Maybe, maybe I, we're getting I our first. Know. Maybe we're getting our first NFL, uh, you know, super team idea where players band together and all go to the same team. You know, like. Uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh did back with Miami and how uh, players did that in the NBA. Maybe this is the beginning. Maybe he's got Odell Beckham wanting to go with him to who knows. Well, there's going to be a new coach there, so maybe that franchise could turn it around, but I, I'm not overly optimistic. They're, they're going to need a star to build it around, and I why not, Deshaun? Yeah, why not? Kudos to Deshaun if, if that's where you really want to play and get traded to. It's just, it caught our eyes of, really? Yeah, that Houston, uh, Houston organization isn't doing well because J.J. Watt's kind of getting tired of that too. Yeah, exactly. They went from being a very good team to what they are today and that in a very quick period. Uh, the next thing that uh, kind of caught my eye was uh, Tyler Myers. The, this week he had a very questionable hit uh, laid on, I believe it was Joel Armia of the Montreal Canadiens that he... Yeah escape suspension on and there, this is kind of a, a twofold um are you kidding me where there, there's two angles we want to take on it the first one for me is him not getting suspensive suspended george peros are you kidding me seriously clear headshot guy had his head down and i know he had his head down that that doesn't make it good clear headshot on a vulnerable player the, the player's hurt it was a massive player, really big, like Tyler Myers is huge against a smaller player. So I have a major issue with him not getting suspended and the precedent that that set and the very next game, guess what? Tyler Myers has to drop the gloves and he actually got beat up pretty good by uh, Joel Edmondson of the Montreal Canadiens. So a good buddy of his actually. Yeah, they're actually exactly, they're good friends. So Peros, I'm not sure what you were thinking. Are you kidding me? No suspension. And Ken, you wanted to take this in another route. Yeah, so whether Tyler Myers got suspended on that or not, I, I one way or another, I, was, I would have been fine with it. It was a, a hit that probably didn't need to happen. Yes, Joel Armia had his head down. Tyler Myers is 6'7". Joel Armia is almost 6'3". So the difference in height, it's a little bit there. It's not uh, Tyler Myers on Nathan Gerby by any means. Was the hit necessary? Probably not. So if the league had come down with the suspension, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have been too upset about it. And uh, I would have gone with that. What really got me where I, I was kind of, are you kidding me? Is Canuck Twitter reaction where they were hoping he would get suspended because they just want him out of the lineup. Now, to me, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, the guy's not playing great. He took a lot of penalties in the playoffs. He took some questionable penalties already this season. But to willingly want your guy to get suspended is just ridiculous. Like, you can say, yeah, he deserves to be suspended, but don't lobby the league and then get upset when he doesn't get suspended because you just want him out of the lineup. I mean, come on. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous sometimes how, uh, how Canucks Twitter and Twitter in general for the fan base is 
just kind of go off and you know what you can be critical but just remember these players are in the nhl nba nfl all the pro leagues for a reason they are exceptional athletes 99.9999 of us couldn't even tie our skates the same way they do to be out there on that ice so take it for what it is you can be passionate about it but let's not go overboard it's starting to get a little ridiculous were we on on point for it were we off off base let us know what you think at the BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two on twitter or our facebook page the bleacher connection podcast so this part of the show is brought to you by our partners at fubo tv the bleacher connection and the unhinged sports network have partnered with fubo tv fubo tv brings you 100 plus channels including nbc cbs fox ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you don't believe us, go to our link trees in our Twitter bios, click on the, the link for Fubo TV, and start your seven-day trial now. So, Ken, some news came out of uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball this week about um, the idea of expansion. And could this be the ticket to some of the revenue shortfall that's happened due to COVID recently? What's your take on this? Well, I, I kind of saw it and it also came up on a, a, I think it was more like a mailbag type article on the athletic when they included the NHL, but first of all, to go with the NBA and MLB uh, short windfall. Yes. You get quick money. You're going to get, you know, include the NHL just got 650 million from the Seattle Kraken franchise to join the league. Now, I would expect that an NBA franchise and a Major League Baseball franchise would be north of that figure. Significant. Yeah, so you're looking at potentially billions of dollars coming in by expanding. Now, that money's going to go to the league and the rest of the, the rest of the teams. But that's a short windfall. And going forward, by expanding, you're potentially looking at watering down your league. Because right now, Major League Baseball has cut their minor league system so that you have fewer teams playing right now. you got more players dispersed because you don't have teams for them to play on. So same with the NBA. You have to look at the structure for both leagues. How are you going to sort out your Eastern and Western Conference in the NBA? How are you going to work out the American League and National League in Major League Baseball to keep an even number? When is enough is enough? Are we going to hit 50 teams in each league and then be like, okay, I think we're good now. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it, I mean, some of it, to be honest, and the tough part where my excitement turned into like, eh, well, it wouldn't happen is does expansion in major league baseball and NBA open the options to bring another team in each league back into Canada? Do the Montreal Expos of some sort, because I don't know if they can use the name, but does Montreal get a team again? That stadium is old. We don't know. Maybe they could get some renovations done to do it, but there is talk that Tampa Bay may relocate and play some games in Montreal if this COVID ever goes away and we can have cross-border travel for professional sports teams. So does Montreal get a team? Does Vancouver potentially get a baseball team? Because you have right there a perfect rivalry built in with the Seattle Mariners, right? There's a lot of options where you could look at it from a Canadian standpoint where, Hey, maybe the NBA returns to Vancouver because the NBA is absolutely loved in Vancouver and in Canada. And another team would be huge right now. But again, there's questions. You have superstars working together to go to one team. Right. We saw it with Kyrie and Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. We've seen it in past with other players. So would you be able to get top flight players going to these teams to make them competitive? Or are they just going to become expansion whipping boys for years to come? And then it's not a success. To me, the, the answer here isn't so much expansion and you, but you brought it up and that's relocation. I think the leagues, if they if they want to look at stabilizing their revenue, well, maybe it's time to cut bait on some of these less successful franchises. 
uh, in the National Hockey League, you got the Arizona Coyotes, the Carolina Hurricanes. Could you look at relocating these teams to, to different markets that might have more success? I don't know, Cleveland, Kansas City, the Quebec City, bringing another team back to Canada. I don't know. Could you look at, and you brought it up, the Tampa Bay Rays? Could they be relocated? Maybe not Montreal, but Vancouver. Vancouver, for those that don't know, is a baseball hotbed. And a lot of people would never know that. There is minor uh, minor league, not minor league baseball, but like grassroots baseball in the Van, greater Vancouver area is huge. You've got teams. Absolutely. In, I, I in played Surrey. in Surrey. Exactly. You played in it. You've got teams in Surrey, Langley, and these are top flight teams that represent Canada at the little league world series every year. And they hold their own. So to me, I think of all the potential Vancouver getting a major league baseball team is extremely exciting, especially ahead of a, another NBA franchise. I don't know that that would work. I think you'd have a better shot with a major league baseball. Now I know a brand new facility would have to be built. So that's a major hurdle, but is that an option or is Tampa Bay going back to Montreal an option? It very well could be. Well, baseball has been played in BC play stadium before it can be, and has been configured for baseball because people going back easily 30 years Yes. We're not aging ourselves at all. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. As a young lad going to BC Play Stadium for a doubleheader where it was the, I believe the Jays and Expos played. They did it a couple of years. And I think one year was like Minnesota and Seattle were there. And they did a doubleheader. And they played there and the place was packed. And so it, baseball could work in there. Uh, sharing that home with the BC Lions because right now the BC Lions are the only team that plays out of that or that st- massive stadium. Well, sorry, the Whitecaps do. The Whitecaps do as well. What they do is not considered professional soccer right now. Well, that's another day. Um, but it could be played there. The Vancouver Canadians are a single A. I think they're the high single A team, minor league team for the Toronto Blue Jays. If you could then convince the people that live around Nat Bailey stadium to allow that beautiful stadium to be expanded on. You could then turn that team into a triple a team and you could have your major league team and your triple a team minutes away from each other. And it would just be an incredible situation. I think baseball really would work there. I think with the right ownership uh, with the Aquilini's, if they were chose to, to get an NBA team, I think they, I think it could work there because the the fan base wants it. And I think the problem that plagued the Vancouver Grizzlies was John McCaw did not care for the NBA and did not want it. But the, the Griffiths family was selling both as a package, the Canucks and the Grizzlies. So he jettisoned that asset as quickly as he could, and he didn't care what happened to it. So which was a complete 180 from the Griffiths family who very much cared about both of those franchises. Yeah. I think Vancouver could be a very viable market, potentially with the right ownership in the NBA and definitely major league baseball. The greater Vancouver area has a a bigger population than some of the major league cities. Now it's well over a few million people. So there's definitely the population to draw on. And there's also, for those that don't know, BC Place Stadium holds over 50,000 people. So if you could configure it for baseball, you easily have a facility that would seat enough people as well. So when I'm talking, and you brought it up, the relocation and expansion, to me, of all the cities that make sense in a lot of these areas, Vancouver is near the top of all the lists of, of, of places that should get more professional sports teams. Yeah, no, it uh, it definitely has it definitely has the fan base. It has the facilities that you could walk in there and just pop a team in and go. I think if you're talking NBA expansion, the Seattle getting a team back with uh, the Kraken redoing that arena and getting it ready to be a professional updated stadium. You could drop a new Seattle Supersonics in there, and that team would probably be loved and and followed like crazy in that city because they were not happy when when the Sonics moved to uh, Oklahoma. 
we'll ask the Seattle Mariners how many baseball fans are in the greater Vancouver region when the Toronto Blue Jays come to town and Safeco Field is sold out and it's 30,000 Toronto Blue Jay fans and 10,000 Seattle Mariners fans. So there is a rabid appetite for Major League Baseball north of the border, especially on the West Coast. And I would love to see someday Vancouver get a team back. We'll get a team, get a team back in the NBA because you just said it, that natural rivalry with Seattle. Like those cities are literally barely over an hour apart. So there is just a natural rivalry there. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be fantastic for that. So who knows, maybe one day. I don't know that it's, I think expansion needs to be done right and at the right time, not just to fix the bottom dollar, not essentially kind of cook the books to not take such a big loss. (laughs) Well, let us know what you guys think. Do you agree with us? Would you want to see more expansion? Is it going to water down? the professional sports or is there a relocation that should happen first, you know, on Twitter at the BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two and on our Facebook page, the bleacher connection. So moving on to our last segment of the show and Ken, the NHL is in full swing. Now we're a couple of weeks in and uh, you really wanted to talk about our favorite teams, the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary flames. And I'm always up for that. Um, let's start with, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Cause I think this might be the longer topic of, of the day. And, uh, why don't you, uh, let us know your thoughts on the start for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the, the start has been difficult. The, the Canucks are two and five and have not played very pretty hockey so far. It's been kind of ugly. The special teams have been anything, but, they, they've given up way too many power plays and they haven't killed enough of them. So that's been a huge problem for the Canucks right now is their special teams. They, they kind of got bit a little bit by the injury bug and, and their defense was, uh, I don't want to say exposed, but potentially very well exposed to what happens when a guy goes down with injury. And, and it, it's frustrating because I've, I haven't been able to watch a lot of the games, but I've seen highlights. I keep track of how things are going uh, online, but what I watched in the last game against Montreal was just turnover after turnover after turnover that led to either top flight chances off the rush or goals. And I can't blame Braden Holtby or Thatcher Demko too much for some of it because they're like, their numbers aren't great, but it's not for the fact that they're playing horribly. It's the fact that the Canucks in one game against Montreal were outshot 20 to 11 through two periods. And Thatcher Demko was getting no help. That game alone, we had uh, Quinn Hughes in his second season, Tyler Myers and Nate Schmidt as our veteran defensemen all paired with a rookie to where then one of the rookies got hurt. Uh, Chatfield got hurt and then Myers got the game game misconduct. And so now you're down to four defensemen. I don't put it so much on that. Alex Edler has not, from what I've seen, played very good at all. His turnovers, his choices and shots, passes, everything have been poor and led to two on ones, three on ones and goals because he's not getting back in time. His age is showing and we talked about char leaving boston and how you know you know let him retire as a bruin it's coming to the point this offseason that the canucks have a very difficult decision to make whether they let alex edler walk or re-sign him i'm on let him walk right now because based on what he did at the end of last season and what he's showing right now i don't think it's going to get any better and i think it's going to get worse before it, it gets too far into the season Offensively, Elias Pettersson has had his first five-game pointless streak of his career. And my God, it is like he has gone a season and a half without a goal on Canucks Twitter. He, he has spoiled the Canucks fan base with how consistent he has been offensively that coming into a season with no preseason games, no lead-up, a very short one week camp, like what camps are normally a month, month and a bit. He had a week to get going. He's been in the city training all off season. 
He stayed in Vancouver. He didn't go back to Sweden. He stayed with some of the veterans, worked with them, put in the work, and, and had a tough start. It's going to happen, people. It's not the end of the world. Pedersen will score and fix what's going on. He's not a horrible in. player. I'm going to jump in on Elias Pedersen right now because I need to. Vancouver Canuck fans, I think, have overvalued what Elias Pedersen is. The guy is an absolute – he's a great player. I'm going to give him that. Elias Pedersen has never scored 30 goals in the NHL. Elias Pedersen has never hit 70 points in the NHL. So I don't know what your expectations are of this guy. He's not an elite top-end scorer. So stop acting like he's one of the best players in the NHL. I'm sorry, he's not. Every team has an Elias Pedersen on him, on that team. So why does Canuck Nation all of a sudden think that Elias Pedersen is a superstar? I'm going to butter burst your bubble right now. He's not. He's a great player. He's not an elite superstar. His numbers show it. He's never hit 70 points. He's never hit 30 goals. So stop acting like he's a 40-goal, 50-goal scorer, because I'm sorry, he's not. So let the guy develop, and maybe he will become that. But he was crowned. I saw Canuck Twitter this offseason comparing Elias Pedersen to Connor McDavid. Give it up. The guy isn't is nowhere near that stature, and his stats show it. So is Elias Pedersen a great player? Yes. But is he an elite superstar at this point in his career? No, he's not. No, he, he's in year three. And that's the thing is, this is the problem with the Vancouver Canuck Nation. They put our players on pedestals, and at the but on the thinnest of bases. So at any point in time when something doesn't go right, they start yelling and it, it just topples that pedestal over. And it, you can't, like, does Quinn Hughes have the potential to win a Norris Trophy in the future? Yes. Is he the best defenseman in the league right now? No. But he has potential to one day, one day, be a top, top of that list. He and Kale McCarr are probably the future of the NHL defenseman. That is a, a safe statement to make because it says the future not the now they are not the top players right now. These guys need to be given time to develop. The other part with the Canuck Twitter and Canuck nation is, you know, and I'm not saying Jim Benning is a great GM. I don't say he's a overly good GM sometimes, but he has done some things that Canuck have, are, they're just calling for his head 24 seven. If they don't sign a guy, they're calling for his head. If they do sign that guy, they're calling for his head because it was too much too long. So we'll, we'll take Tyler Myers. If the Canucks don't sign him, then Jim Benning is going to take heat for not signing him. But they signed him. So Jim Benning takes heat for signing him. You can't have it both ways. It, it comes to a time you have to either accept. Jim Benning has made some not smart moves. Yes. But as I've said to you, Trevor, before in the past, when Jim Benning took this job, the cupboards were absolutely bare of prospects because Mike Gillis had a win now, do everything to win and traded all of our prospects away. So you had to overpay the Sam Gagne's, Antoine Roussel's, Jay Beagle's to get them in here because our team had nothing at the time to be able to develop. So you had to bridge it with some bad contracts. Louis Erickson, who expected him to take four seasons to get what he had the season before he signed as the Vancouver that is just a, that you can't put that solely on Jim or Jim Benning because that's just a guy who gave up. So Canucks fans, there is some reason to be a little concerned right now because the team isn't going well. I don't expect that to continue because of how this season is developing, but back off a little bit, like, you know, give these young prospects a chance to grow. If you want to chase these players out of Vancouver, like, Pavel Burry didn't want to be here, be there anymore, then keep it up because eventually these guys are going to say enough and they're going to pull a Patrick Lyon, a Pierre-Luc Dubois and want out. So if you want to keep watching them, then embrace them, expect some ups and downs and let it go sometimes. Well, before I get into my roasting of the Vancouver Canucks, I'm actually going to eat a little bit of crow and that's on another team that I predicted to have a very poor season and man, have I been wrong. And I'm going to give some props here to uh, John Easthope of the double digit podcast. 
hockey podcast who actually predicted this team to win the Canadian division. And that's the Montreal Canadiens. These guys look like world beaters early on and they absolutely they're four Oh and two at the top of the Canadian division. I had them last. I didn't like what they did at all. Uh, to Foley, I questioned that signing. The guy looks like an absolute stud uh, so far in Montreal. Uh, Vancouver Canuck fans got to see it firsthand this week. Yeah, we he helped scored, that. We helped that yes, he, a lot. He scores four goals. So it could, the Montreal Canadiens have made me look bad. One team that hasn't made me look bad early on is the Vancouver Canucks. I didn't pick them to be a playoff team this year. I thought the losses that they they had in the offseason were going to far outweigh the additions that they had. And so far, I'm right. Uh, I saw some telling um, JT Miller and Bo Horvat had some telling comments this week where they both said that they were surprised and shocked by the offseason. And a lot of this unrest isn't around the players and coaches. It's around Jim Benning and the moves that he made. Right there, that's your leadership core questioning your general manager. I got, I'm worried that, that this might go off the rails. The players aren't happy. They, they don't like the direction of the team. They were absolutely blindsided by letting guys like Toffoli walk. Markstrom, I don't know what the hell Jim Benning's thinking. The fact he didn't re-sign him, he's blowing up in his face big time. You brought it up right off the start. The, the, the special teams have been a disaster. You're 13% on the power play, 73% only on the penalty kill. They're last in the league in winning percentage at like 23%. Like this has been a, a train wreck of a start for the Vancouver Canucks. You got uh, Adam Gaudet getting healthy scratched where he looked like a world beater in the first few games of the season. And I know Vancouver Canuck Nation doesn't want to hear this. Your goaltending has been a tire fire. You've got gold uh, Demko's at an 866 save percentage at a 5.47 goals against average. Holtby's at an 888 save percentage at a 3.70 goals against average. You guys are giving these guys a pass. Um, how about they make a save and maybe you'll win a game. So I, I don't know what's wrong with this team. I, there's problems and they better figure it out fast or they're going to get buried in the standings quickly. Yeah. Where I, where I kind of look, where I said, I don't blame Thatcher Demko or Brayden Holby as much is because I've seen some of the defensive coverage that they've been uh, out in front of them. And it's horrible. Like you leave a guy, you let guys stand behind you as a defenseman in between you and the goaltender. Travis Hamannick. <laughs> yep Alex Adler like it, it happens these guys are giving up way too many odd man rushes and not making the right choices where where you go to block a shot and you end up in the corner as opposed to to in front of the net and the guy that you're trying to block has now an open side to shoot at because you're so far out of position it like the goaltending hasn't been great but the defense in front of them has been a hundred times worse and but that's this where isn't this isn't a new thing in Vancouver. Your defense last year was not good and gave up grade A scoring chance after grade A scoring chance. The difference is the guy you have in between your pipes right now. Jacob Markstrom made those saves last year and the Canucks made the playoffs. I'm sorry, Thatcher Demko and Braden Holpe aren't making those saves and the Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs. It literally boils down to that for me. Jacob Markstrom was the backbone of the Vancouver Canucks Benning let him walk and you guys are going to suffer as a result of it. Yeah. I, I, I get Miller and Horvat's sentiment because it is frustrating, but I'd like to see what they, how they figured they were going to try and save them. How yeah. they get the, how do, how do you make those uh, signings with the cap situation, how it is at a time that you can be critical, but at the same time, how are you going to change it? That's the part yeah. of you. Teams are, Unless you're with Vegas or Tampa, teams aren't helping you out to shed cap for whatever reason. To me, if there was one of them, it should have been Jacob Markstrom. He was the backbone of the team. They let him walk, and it's it's a, a major issue. And that's going to lead us into our Calgary Flames talk very quickly here. Markstrom has made the difference for this team, and we've seen it. The Flames have only played three games so far. And as of recording, I'm very much looking forward to actually getting to watch them play again here very shortly. <laughs> and 
we've I've seen it firsthand. Jacob Markstrom makes the difference. The, the team in front of him looks so much more confident. The Flames and Canucks have played twice in the last week. And those games weren't even close, short of one period where the Canucks dominated. The Flames rolled them for five periods and looked like a far more confident and complete team. And I think Jacob Markstrom gives these guys that feeling of, hey, we can make a mistake and it's not going to end up in the back of our net. And I think a very similar feeling to what the Canuck fans had for the last couple of years where, oh, we made a mistake. That's okay. we got a goalie who's going to bail us out. And I think players like Elias Pedersen are playing a little bit more timid and such because they don't have this guy on the back end. So to me, the Jacob Markstrom edition, the guy looks all world and he's worth every penny so far. We'll see later on this contract if he, if he looks that way. He's also making guys like Johnny Goudreau look like Johnny Goudreau the first few games of the season of old where a point-of-game guy who might – you'll get 80, 90 points in an 82 game season. He looks very healthy. The Flames blue line looks very strong. Yusuf Valimaki, he had a tough game in the third game against Vancouver. He's looked very, very strong. We're not missing TJ Brody and Travis Hamannick at all. And I'd actually argue our defense core is better without those two on it because guys like Rasmus Anderson, Yusuf Valimaki are getting more ice time and that is more quality ice time. Yeah, Markstrom definitely uh, stung Adam Gaudet in that second game there because Gaudet could have had a hat trick real quick. <laughs> that he could have. And uh, Markstrom stood on his head. Yeah, it's Markstrom is going to make the difference. He, I don't know if it was demoralizing uh, for the Canucks in that one, but I, I, I got to say I'm glad we don't maybe play you guys for a little while just because as much as I don't like the after whistle stuff around the net and guys – jabbing and poking and stuff like that there was just no there's no hate in that game it was like oh yeah it's it's marky so it's you know we're not going to get too in front of him we're not going to do you know martin played great but the canucks didn't do anything to really push him or try and make it hard for him and you brought up a good point about there not being a lot of hate there's actually a really good picture that was taken of a scrum in i think it was the second game um where of all people, Matthew Kachuk was kind of tied up with uh, Quinn Hughes and the two were like smiling at each other and almost laughing about it. And I'm like, where's the hatred? Like pop him in the nose. Don't smile and chuckle at this guy. Yeah. I I don't know if they just kind of laughed at the fact that they were tied up together, but it did get some, uh, some heat online as well from Canucks Twitter and it's tough. Like you can't expect these guys to hate each other 24 seven, 365, but they all have a past with each other. You know, both Hughes and Kachuk have, have played in the American system together. They, they, they all have relationships, right? Like they talked about in the Canucks game, Max Domi and Josh Anderson were both in Bo Horvat's wedding party as groomsmen. So, you know, even though Domi has been traded to Columbus and and or Josh Anderson went to Montreal, he was still playing against a good buddy that, you know, we're obviously really close with. So these guys are not going to hate each other 24 seven, but it is sometimes frustrating to see in the situation when things aren't going well, guys are out there having a good chuckle with, uh, with the other team. Well, I know it's early in the season, but so far, my prediction of having the flames high in the division and the Canucks low in the division seems to be playing out. I'm uh, I'm very interested to see if this can continue on. I hope the Canucks turn it around because I enjoy that healthy rivalry, but I hope they turn it around just enough to miss the playoffs and, uh, and not make it. But that healthy rivalry when they hate each other is good for hockey. And I, I hope that it, it gets turned around. Yeah, I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet. There is some concerning things that I've noticed, but I'm not uh, I'm not like others calling for a tank season because I don't agree with that. I think this team will turn it around. This is a very – I told you this show, two for chirping others. The first two, three weeks of this season is going to be ugly for teams, and it's, we'll see what happens once things start rolling. As you said, the Canucks have played seven games already so far this season, and they're playing like – three and four and almost every night and the flames have played three games. So it's and who's an ahead odd, in the odd, standings still. Yeah. That's still the flames, but it's an odd okay, season good. for that, for that sense. That <laughs> it's a lot of games at one time. So 
you got to turn it around real quick and it, it could get easy to get down. Well, Canucks Nation, we definitely want to hear from you guys on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. Is it time to hit the panic button? Or are you guys, like Ken saying, overreacting way too much? What do you guys think of Elias Pettersson? I had some pretty harsh words about him not being a superstar, and I'd, lo- I'd love to get into it on Twitter with you guys. So reach out. Yeah, so for that, that's our show for the week. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Just remember, we can always be heard on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. You can find us on Two for Chirping every Friday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. And again, that's exclusively on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We will be releasing the past week's show on our platforms here on demand for you to listen if you did miss any. The uh, first two episodes are up, so you can check those out and make sure to tune in Friday nights. Thanks for listening, Thanks, everyone. everyone. Thank you.